Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham, and I am here with Vic Mattis. Hello, Mary Catherine. How are you? I'm all right. Let me just tell you. Thank, thank you to all the hammerheads. You have oh, a name yes. now for going on this journey with me, especially right after I had this baby. And just to give you an idea of how well my brain is working this morning, I went upstairs and I was yelling down to my husband, "Hey, babe, remind me when I get back that I need to." And during the course of the sentence, I had forgotten the thing I needed Just to like do. Just like that. Yeah, it was gone. But you have a great excuse. I Baby guess. amnesia. I, I have to say, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm probably sort of like that normally, but not normally in the middle of a sentence do I forget the thing Sleep I needed to be reminded of. Well, the baby has a, she has a, we're, we're nailing down a schedule and it is 8 to 10 screaming time. A.M. P.M. PM 8 to 10 p.m. screaming time. Lovely. 4.30 a.m. to 6 a.m. grunting time. I'm trying to digest my food. Uh, oh, that's mine, too, by the way. Yeah, I, so, well, obviously. Out. Poor Kate. <laughs> she and I are on the same schedule. Yes. And then at 6, as soon as the sun is up and I'm basically ready to go, completely silent, peaceful angel baby. Oh, yeah. that's good. Usually at the end of the day, they get cranky, and, and, and so that's yes. understandable. There's like a, a witching Early hour. evening. The early evening is difficult. Same for Vic. That's, that's why he that's has a martini that's to usually take the helps. edge off the witching hour. It depends hour. when you have the, drink, the, the martini, though, because <laughs> you can have a terrible early evening if that happens. Uh, I am I am sore. What that's did what you I'm do? Here for. Well, over the weekend, uh, it was our wedding anniversary. That's not the reason why I'm sore, by the way. Uh, it's because my wife got me, uh, as an anniversary gift, uh, dumbbells. Dumbbells, oh, very exciting. So because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, I had a 25-pounder and a 30-pounder, <laughs> which I don't want to do that because then I'll come out sort of de- yeah, you're just more a deformed than I am now. Lopsided, right? Yes. So uh, I went downstairs to the basement and then found that she had the other missing pair of a 25 and a 30. Oh, and I got nice. so excited that I did 10 shrugs on the spot to show off, and then I pulled my shoulder. So... But that, but you, you know, be careful jumping back in. You know, it is, and I got really carried away, and obviously inspired by your husband. Well, he who will is be such very a proud. motivator. He'll be proud of yes. your, your gains. Well, again, uh, I don't look like an Adonis by doing nothing, as you know. I imagine you guys have a big gym set up. You're big on machines, weights. Yes. So we actually got what what I have referred to as the as the pandemic set in. We had just gotten married, we got home, and then everything shut down on the Friday mm-hmm. that we got home from the wedding. So my husband was ex- very, very, very married with two children because they were home, I was home, everyone was home. And he got the the last set of barbells out of Saigon on the internet. I don't know how he found them. Of course, his were 50s, 55s? Well, they're adjustable. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we can, you got a little, they have oh, a little yes, dial those. on them. Yeah, you can and pay, I can switch them you up. You could pay a lot of money for that, that you can resell them for Oh, a lot. We, we could, mm-hmm. especially at the beginning of the pandemic. Definitely. So we got those, and we had already gotten a Peloton a couple months earlier, which I made fun of him for. I was like, why do we need this? We, we, all, we go to the gym all the time. Now, my husband, you have to understand, the only unlimited budget in the house is for fitness. So whatever. Oh, that's nice. Whatever you want to spend on that, A-OK. I can buy as many leggings and sport bra- sports bras as I want to. But, I mean, I'm an independent lady, so I can do that anyway. But you know what I'm yes. saying. At any rate, got the Peloton, had the weights. Had it not been for those two things, I might not have a marriage. Because we were stuck in that house and needed to, like, be doing something. And yes. my husband will go a little bit crazy if he does not do that. And are you, are you big on, you're big on weights, right? I am, but I haven't been doing anything since... Uh, since I've been pregnant, because I was so oh, well, sick. Of course, but uh, you had a but big weight. My my delts have have lost 
have lost some of their bit. game. I'm going to have to work on it. What I remember is your husband going on a tirade once at our house about you and my wife talking about not wanting to get too crazy on the weights because you don't want to bulk up. And he's you like, don't want to bulk up. He always says, you will not bulk up. I will tell you how how many years <laughs> how are, have I spent right. trying years. to bulk up. Years to bulk up. And so. to, he is bulked up, but like he, he has, you know, his all men have dreams of it being so big and they're, they try so hard and women are like, I don't know if I lift these 15 pound yeah, weights a couple times, I'm just going to look like a man. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to be fine. It takes a long time. I do. I, so. you know, I had, I, I have nice arm muscles when I work out, but now they're, they're fading. This is one of my, I've, I never wear sleeves on TV because I realized that was one of my, I had to go full Michelle Obama. So no I'm gonna hold back. I was going to make a joke about somebody else on TV, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Let's he's, just move on. He's not going to do it. Um, we got a lot of great stuff on the show for you today. We have uh, a, well, you know, Rittenhouse update because Kyle Rittenhouse's case goes to the jury this week, and we will know probably by the end of this week uh, what, what the story is there. We have Kamala drama. As I said, this is not a podcast for Kamala fangirls. <laughs> we will touch on her often and the, uh, the awkwardness of the Veep. Uh, we have a football miracle and some... Some news in the Swifty world, the Taylor Swift world. <laughs> Which I don't even know about. I'm gonna, this is how we do it here. I really so went exciting. down a rabbit hole on this one. But before that, I have to tell you also, my road trip is proceeding apace. My insane road For trip. For your college football Thanksgiving yes. extravaganza. I'm going to take three children on a 10-hour road trip. Pictures. Instagram. <laughs> and then we're going to go to a football game together. Because what does a one-month-old want to do but see an SEC football game? The noise, it'll be like, you know, what do you call the white noise? Yeah, so, that's you the know, plan. Be, I actually, I took a right three-month-old to once before to a football game, and she did very well. So I feel like we're going to be okay. I, we went to a uh, college basketball game, Georgetown versus UConn, when my son was still inside my wife, and she said he was kicking at the end. <laughs> and that was the last time they won a game. But, well, yeah, so. maybe someday again. Yeah. So. All right, uh, let's start with the hard news. Kyle Rittenhouse's... Uh, trial the closing arguments happened and we are headed to the to the jury now this case of course stems from an august 2020 shooting kyle rittenhouse shot three people two of them died uh one survived and and testified in this trial he's charged with several things but he's arguing self-defense now yesterday the judge dropped the underage possession of a weapon charge correct? That's correct. Yes. Now people are big mad because as I said on the last time we discussed this in the last podcast, this seemed like one of the easier charges to deal with. Like, oh, that seems like a slam dunk. It turns out that maybe not everybody read the entire statute because it only applies to short barreled shotguns and rifles. And he, of course, had had a standard AR-15 style rifle, which he was allowed to carry at 17 years old, it turns out. So he took that charge off, off the list before sending this mm-hmm. to the jury. A little bit uh, controversial, although if you look at the statute, it does seem pretty clear. I would say the one thing that he can be gotten on is violating curfew. I mean, other, other than that, I mean, that's pretty much clear cut. He was out there on the streets. Past uh, 8 p.m. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and his argument is, of course, he was worried about the looting and everything else and his father and this connection to right. Kenosha. And that's why he was there as a 17-year-old with an AR-15. Yes. Not my advice, but he was there. But it is going to be very hard for the prosecutors to show that this was not self-defense right. in his position. Certainly, um, to try to make the case that it is beyond reasonable doubt. That well, it's very the, hard to prove. The one... The one 
guy who survived, who who spoke at the trial, actually said, Kyle Rittenhouse only shot me in the arm once I had pointed my pistol at him, which seems to undercut the prosecution. The prosecution has been Im- impressively incompetent. Incompetent, yes. I was, I was trying to think of a nicer word, but that's that's the word. Including, at the closing arguments, the prosecutor holding an AR-15 style rifle. I think it's technically a different brand, but AR-15 style rifle. Pointing it at the jury and others in the courthouse with his finger on the trigger without having cleared it in the sight of said people, which would be the way you would do it in a, in a gun safety class. Uh, which you've taken. Yes. I've and taken. He, and he said that, I think he, he noted that he had had someone else check the, the gun, but that's not. Yeah, I, that's, that's what they said in the Alec Baldwin case. That's not standard yeah, practice. No. Not best practices, as they say. Especially in light of what happened in New Mexico on, on the filming of that movie. Exactly. You would think that he'd be extra paranoid about this. I, all it's I can a big think, no-no. All I can think of is our former colleague, uh, Steve Gutowski, now at the Reload. And yes. He must have been screaming at the television because if there's anything imagine. that you know Stephen taught me it's always assume the gun is loaded mm-hmm. you know because even if the clip's not there there could be a bullet in the chamber never point it at somebody if you're handling it's all a the gun. rules it's all, it's the, all rules. the rules and then certainly never have your finger on the trigger unless you're ready to fire it at a target and that there's nothing around or behind the target all of which was all completely which, not out, the case out the in window. the courtroom. It was it was a bad it was a bad look. And then another member yeah. of the prosecution team also argued uh, that that hey, or actually I believe it was the head, the main prosecutor argued that hey, if you bring a gun, you have lost your right to self defense. Joseph Rosenbaum was going to take that gun and use it on the defendant because they know you can't claim self defense against an unarmed man like this. You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun, when you're the one creating the danger, when you're the one provoking other people. Which is not how that works. No, there's a lot of things that he said that aren't exactly how it works. Uh, And I feel bad for the jury because it's, you know, this case is particularly trying, but as you know, I'm also a former legal correspondent, as you know, to that oh. great show, Right and Writer. So I do have experience. But mm-hmm. also, seriously, um, I've served. I don't know if you have. I served. I haven't. I, I, I wonder if they have me on some sort of blacklist. I've I, never been. I served twice. I served twice on a criminal trial jury uh, and once as a foreman. And I can tell you, it's, 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 nobody actually wants to serve on a jury. But once you're on it, you really get into the case. And right. in both cases, in the first case, we found the defendant not guilty. And in the second case, we found them all guilty. But every day you're meeting with these people and it's exhausting. And, you know, you're sitting there. Those closing statements yesterday, especially the prosecutors, were extremely long. They had a lunch break and then he continued. I can tell you, sitting through some of this, your mind tends to wander and you start right. wondering, you know, is the person guilty? Is he not guilty? Are they serving onion rings in the cafeteria today? I did think that. And I remember they would go around the table and, you know, you would say, okay, does everyone agree? Guilty, guilty, guilty. And one woman, we were there for more days than we expected. Right. And this girl just says, fine, guilty. What? And you really can't, you, I was like, you said that out loud. And so immediately there's a big uproar in the room and we had to just convince, it said, you can't just say that. And right. she goes, look, I, I got to get out of here. She says, I, I can't stay here another day. I got to go. The and peer then, pressure the on peer which pressure, our system is built. Yes. On the, yeah. Your fate is in their hands. And, find, and then she claims that, no, 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 you're right. 
you're right. I, bo- I believe he's guilty. So, well, <laughs> that's what's going on. There's a yeah. There's a lot of pressure over whether yeah. they're selling onion rings in the cafeteria. There's a lot of pressure from society. There's a lot of pressure in the room yeah. for the jurors. But a, a couple, I think largely, and obviously this is aside from Kyle Rittenhouse's fate and those who were involved in this incident, which is all around a sad thing that I wish there. didn't have to happen if yes. there hadn't been riots on the streets. And there could be riots again. Yes, which is what we're sort of bracing for. But the media coverage of this has been irresponsible, wrong, fact-checked, should have been fact-checked left and right, never never was in many cases. And a lot of people just figured out while watching the trial uh, a lot of pertinent info about the trial, including that he, and I didn't know this until last week, he did not travel over state lines with a gun. The gun resided in Wisconsin. He resided in Illinois. That's another case thrown out. The other... The other point is that his father did live in Kenosha. He worked nearby at the time in a Wisconsin town that was 15 minutes away. So the idea that he was sort of just traveling, he was he was a traveling riot attender right. with a gun. That was not right. the case. A vigilante, so, a vigilante. So the, so the, I, the idea that he was just looking for trouble uh, in this very outlandish way, I think, is is not is not what we found out when we actually listened to the case. And then if... It is the case that you're traveling somewhere with a gun that you're just looking for trouble. The man who he shot in the arm who survived and and that's right and testified for the prosecution would also have been by that de- definition just looking for trouble. That's right. in Kenosha that night. And also the prosecutor's attempts to downplay the past uh, of the victims. Uh, and you know, more recently he was talking about Jojo Rosenbaum and trying to say, sure, oh, big, oh, sir, sure, he used the N-word once, but big deal. Okay, this is the like whole may, point of this. Maybe don't point that out. Yeah, yeah exactly. I yeah. mean, the whole point of this is all stemming from George Floyd, and this, and, and he's expecting the, the jury to say, oh, yeah, well, that's okay. So I don't know what he was thinking when he was saying all these things uh, about convicted felons. Well, we'll see what happens. But uh, it's, it's a good lesson in double-checking when these very high-profile cases happen. Yeah. I often don't say anything about them at the very beginning because we don't know don't the facts know. yet. And as I've said, sometimes sometimes that silence is read to be violence. And yet it has saved me on many occasions from smearing the wrong people or making the wrong assumptions. Mm-hmm. And that was certainly the case uh, in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Moving on, we have Kamala drama. Kamala is drama. Is there a theme there, song to that? There should be. There should be. I can sing yeah. it. CNN had a, had a long piece about the the increased infighting between the alleged, the, the alleged, the alleged sources say between the Veep and the president about the Veep's abilities, and this this resulted in a Jen Psaki White House press secretary tweet on Sunday night. It was after nine p.m., and that tweet was, you know, regardless of what you might have been saying, this is just for certain people who might be thinking something differently, mm-hmm. but. The president and the vice president have a wonderful, strong, friendly, collegial relationship, which your colleague at CNN, uh, Chris Eliza, pointed out. When a relationship is going well, you don't have to broadcast to the world that it's going well mm-hmm. unless it's not. It's like sort of like saying, despite what you might hear, I-, I love my wife so much and our relationship has never been stronger, really. So that's what you're seeing here because obviously um, there's a lot of finger pointing. Her approval rating is actually lower than the it's, vice president. I mean, 28, the is, 28 is an accomplishment right. in and of itself. And the reason, and now so we're in the blame game. Is it because she uh, has been given all of these tough assignments, such as the border, broadband, 
a few other things. My my favorite part of the Saki tweet was the end where it's like, and we work together on broadband. broadband. Because yeah. every great relationship exactly. is founded on working together on broadband. And then you're talking about allegations as well of, of, of sexism, racism. <gasps> right? Dare. And that's the only reason why. Well, you know. Yes. I am going to say this. All they have is a hammer and everything's a nail. That's right. I will say this. I now, looking back, and I've maintained this from the last episode into this episode, I don't think that she was trying the French accent when she was in France. I think that was the right call. If she said le plan, if she said le plan, (laughs) then I would say, okay, that was was an attempt. But she was just saying the plan. I I wanted her to sound like a full-on Monty Python yeah, French guy. That's that that's what good. I wanted. That would have been good. And in fact, if you're going to go for it, just go yeah. for it. Kevin Klein in French Kiss. Very <laughs> convincing. Um, uh, and don't forget when the finger pointing uh, is happening, uh, these internal fights, keep in mind, there's also a very high uh, staff turnover rate. Mm-hmm. She had one notoriously so when she was in the Senate. And there was pre- other stories about ex-staffers in need of therapy Ooh. after their experience working for her. So it, it, it's chaos all around. I mean, same for Vic, who works with me on a regular basis. He has <laughs> I, I to yes, check in with the... Traumatized by Check it. in with the therapist at the Palm Bar. <laughs> yes, yes. The, 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 the therapist's name is Plymouth. But yeah, so the, the interviews with nearly three dozen former and current Harris aides, administration officials, Democratic operatives, donors, and outside advisors, according to uh, CNN, reveal a complex reality inside the White House. Many in the White Pre- Vice President's circle fume that she's not being adequately prepared or positioned and instead is being sidelined. The vice president herself has told several confidants she feels constrained in what she's able to do politically. Girl, you've always been constrained in what you can do politically. <laughs> uh, I saw the primaries. Uh, that's, this is, I, People forget her I must those remind, numbers. I must remind everyone that she had to drop out of the Democratic primaries mm-hmm. despite a lot of very friendly coverage and a lot of very high expectations before a vote was cast in Iowa. So that gives you some idea of what her political skill was. And at the time, by the way, I thought she performed okay in some of those debates, but the people did not respond. There were a lot of, she threw out a lot of allegations during those debates and charges, including against her boss, Joe (laughs) Biden. Do you think maybe they're still mad about that? I was that girl. Remember that? And also keep in mind, I mean, the state of California in which she served as a U.S. senator did not choose her (laughs) to be president. So, I mean, that was a telling sign. Oh, I'm sure it's all going to yeah. turn around real fast. Yeah. Once this once this level of infighting starts, by the way, it's uh, it's all downhill from there. I don't I don't I don't think there's a we're not riding the ship anytime yeah. soon. No, no. Around the time that the price of gas goes down. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I have I have a football miracle. Oh, yeah. Are you ready for mm-hmm. this? The Detroit Lions did not lose. <laughs> they did not lose, yes. Vic. They didn't win. But they didn't lose. Now, I am a sad, sad Lions, partly really? because uh, Matt Stafford was the, the quarterback for so long. He's a dog. I didn't have an NFL team. I've always been a college football fan. I didn't have an NFL team. Matt Stafford was a dog. I watched the Lions and thought to myself, you know, no one will accuse me of bandwagoning. That's right. <laughs> so here I am on this long, long losing streak. They tied with the Steelers. There are two ways you can, for the Detroit Lions not to lose. One is the bye week. Yes. And then the other one is a tie. They're, they're now 0-8-1. Zero, zero, and one. Live it up, guys. That's right. Enjoy that one. I hate ties in football and in sports in general. I think, I think ties are very un-American. 
I mean, it's something that happens in soccer. But again, like I said, it's un-American. The strange thing is ties have been allowed since like 1974, since the overtime rules were, were put into place. And then there have been a few changes over the years, I think in 2010 with sudden death and in right. 2017. And yet despite that, the number of ties occurring have increased for some strange reason. Well, I like the college overtime rules. I think those are great. And the thing that amused me about this game is that several of the young players didn't even know you could tie in the NFL. And that you've been involved in a tie, and what does it feel like from your perspective? Yeah, this is the first time. I didn't know you could even tie in the NFL. Uh, I was, I was in my mind, I was sitting on the bench ready, saying to myself, I got a, another quarter to go. But um, I guess somebody came to me and said, that's it. And, uh, so I ain't never been, a, I ain't never had to tie. My- they were like, wait, what are we doing? Are we done? It just feels wrong. I mean, look, can I just say, if tennis does not allow a tie, then football should not allow a tie. The longest tennis match ever uh, was from uh, a Wimbledon from a few years back. It was Isner Mahout, and it was 11 hours and five minutes long. Wow. I'm off it. That would be ratings gold. <sighs> ratings gold for football. DeAndre Swift, by the way, also a dog and is now playing with the Lions. I believe he was one of those who said, uh, I, didn't, I didn't even know that we could <laughs> <laughs> when you're in Detroit, it happens, I guess. It does. So, but nonetheless, something to sort of yeah. cheer about. You know who doesn't like Detroit? ties? By the way, people who bet on football games. Yeah, yeah. So. It, it's not. It's not fun. It does seem off-brand for the NFL, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, let's just work this out. I want to talk to you, Vic, and it's a dangerous topic about dating. Oh yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. The Atlantic has a story about the increasing number of eh, millennials to Zoomers who have moved back home with their parents and that one of the, what's the most awkward part of living with your parents as an adult? The dating. Explain, please. So, so during the pandemic, a lot of people in this age group, middle millennial to, to Zoomers moved back home with their parents. Many of them single who were stuck maybe in the nation's metropolises or is it metropoli? I'll take that. Yeah. And they wanted to go back home to live with their parents during lockdowns. Others have financial reasons, failure to launch, many sundry things that have have put them at home with their parents. This comedian, Jenny Hogan, wrote a piece about how, how how do you bring dates home when you live with your parents? The trend, the trend started earlier than the pandemic because of financial reasons. They were I know people, we know people, we know people quite well who uh, are still living with their parents uh, and they have jobs and they're making bank because of this, because they don't have to pay rent. Uh, they, they free food because, you know, your, your parent is still happy to make food and do laundry for you, I assume, because they, you know, at some point, you know, they don't want to be empty nesters, some parents, and they like having the kids around, so they're going to keep it going. I don't know how you bring a date home in those situations. Isn't that awkward for you? Don't you feel kind of embarrassed? Is that, is embarrassment still a thing? Now, keep in mind, personally, I would not know uh, about bringing uh, uh, dates home to my home because I just never dated. Really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and when I did, it was like, I'm glad I have my own apartment, you know, yes. to myself. So nobody well, my interrupts favorite, my game. I think my, yeah. <laughs> all my that? game. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my favorite sentence is, this can make casual hookups near impossible. I would hope so. Your poor parents. If I were a parent. I'd, I'd encourage my, my, my daughter oh my to live at home until she got married. Yes, uh, just to, yes. Just to stymie yeah, to keep her. Yeah, going mm-hmm. back and forth, getting stuff from the refrigerator, whatever. This is a very common thing, obviously, in Europe, right? Children have been living with their parents for a very long time. 
I mean, for centuries, right? This is just the tradition. You don't get your own place until you get married. And so you have multiple family generations living in one building. And, you know, when people go to Europe, what happens is the result is because you're not going to maybe bring home a date afterwards if everybody's around. What you end up having is a lot of public displays of affection on park benches and cafes oh. and other places. So, you know, when Americans come over there to Europe, they're like, that's oh, the plan. That's le plan. That's le plan. Le plan. Is that oh, it's so romantic seeing all these people you know making out on park benches and, and stuff. That's why and they do it because the they don't they, have their own places. Have nowhere else to go. That's why it's happening. I am, the 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 city of love has lost some of its uh, shine the now. City of light. I, the city of light. Or the eternal city. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. You know Europe. I don't know Europe. I, yeah, that's right. I'm a real that's American. Right. I spent a lot of time looking at these couples when I was <laughs> living. I lived in Austria no, for years. I do. If roll it roll it back to when you did date and had all the game uh <laughs> would you have dated somebody who lived with their parents uh yes yes if, the, <laughs> Are you, if you're I, offering I mean, i'm there I mean, it was like an attractive woman i live with my parents that's fine with me that's See, fine alex alex our producer is shaking her head but it would be a deal breaker if you're a guy if you're a girl dating a guy is absolutely what you're saying. not yeah i think i think I, w- I was trying to be charitable as i was reading this piece and i think i would be more forgiving of this during the pandemic I think there were a lot of reasons for people to skedaddle from their sad, lonely New York apartments and go back to their homes. I get that. But we need to transition from that fairly quickly, I would say. It's, it's definitely a double standard, right? Because if I'm a guy and if, if a very attractive girl said, oh, well, I live with my parents, I'm like, oh, that's good. She probably doesn't bring a lot of guys home. You know, a lot of gentlemen callers, you know, versus like, yeah, I've been alone for years. Maybe, maybe you know? this is just my, this is, maybe this is just my Neanderthal heteronormativity, though, that I just, I demand that a man be making yeah, money and living independent. What own. you want is somebody who is absolutely uh, reliable, independent. Yeah. And, and yes, yeah. not, not on and the acting like a couch. Man. The basement futon yes. is not for me <laughs> anymore. <laughs> exactly. So I think I would. I think I would say no in all likelihood. Our my parents' house was sort of a. It was a touch base situation where if you were transitioning in life, you could be there for a bit and then go off fairly quickly. I don't know. I I actually never came back, but my brothers did for a month or a two at bit. a time and then would go to their mm-hmm. next job or their next place in another state. But I think for my own kids, I think I would have about the same standard. Like you can touch base, but we're not we're not doing this for long periods of time. Yes. Uh, my parents. In fact, I'm kicking the youngest one out this week. I was about to She's make done. A, no, was, she cut off. I was about to make a touching base joke. But anyway, <laughs> the uh, my, my parents' home was uh, it's a rambler, right? It's a, it's a ranch-style home. So, I mean, there's no sort of upstairs, middle, and downstairs. We have a basement. It's my dad's, you know, doctor's office. And, you know, I did not. Like the I, 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 Yeah, like, yes, but I didn't Except, have. Except, you know. I didn't have room. a lot of uh, luck convincing women to go, oh, come down to the doctor's office downstairs. You know, that's kind of <laughs> scary. So. All right. I don't think I put this on the list, but I have to talk about it. Are you ready for this? Yeah. I'm going to surprise you with this one. I cannot with this. There's a New York Times piece entitled, Why Don't We Have a COVID Vaccine for Pets? Oh, we are never getting out of this pandemic. We no, are, the answer is you're right. We're not. We are never getting out with this going on. Okay, here we go. Over the past year, coronavirus vaccines have gone into billions of human arms and into the fuzzy haunches of an arc's worth of zoo animals. That's a lead. Jaguars are getting the jab. Bonobos are being dosed. So are orangutans and otters, ferrets and fruit bats. And of course, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Largely left behind, however, are two creatures much closer to home, domestic cats and dogs. Pet owners have noticed. 
quote, I get so many questions about this issue, Dr. Elizabeth Lennon, a veterinarian at the University of Pennsylvania, said, will there be a vaccine? When will there be a vaccine? The, the pets have been complaining a lot about going into restaurants and supermarkets <laughs> and being forced to wear masks. I have I an anti-vax dog, so I can't oh, be, uh, yeah, he's very, he's very into InfoWars uh, <laughs> and essential oils. That's what he's into. But since technically a pet vaccine is feasible, in fact, several research teams say that they've already developed promising cat or dog vaccines. The, shot, the shots that zoo animals are receiving were initially designed for dogs, but that it's simply not a priority, experts said. You know, uh, a, a lot of the a lot of the pets, you know, probably, you know, they, they might be losing their sense of taste or smell. You don't know. Oh, then you, you, know, can, then you can feed them the cheap stuff. You, <laughs> it's bad for the bloodhounds. It's bad for the bloodhounds. <laughs> they need that. They need that to hunt they down do. the, the fugitive. Hun the hunting, fugitive, yeah. the hunting dogs and the are hunting in dogs. Trouble. They need to get them. The, they need to get the vaccine. I booster. haven't noticed any decline in the the hunting dogs in my circle. I feel like I feel like they're doing fine. The hounds. Yes. The bottom line is, the New York Times. Although dogs and cats can catch the virus, a growing body of ed evidence suggests that Fluffy and Fido play little to no role in its spread and rarely fall ill themselves. Much like children in that way. But apparently, yes. we're not going to be rushing a vaccine for for dogs and cats to market so that a bunch of neurotic pet owners can can give them these vaccines. You're right. We're not. Eventually we're not getting gonna, out of this. We're not. We're not. Eventually, it's going to be on the list at the vet, and I'm going to get shamed for not getting Scout the COVID vaccine. That's right. I think he's okay, guys. <gasps> They're going to need to see the. Pets Are you vax trying card. to kill Grandma they'll, they'll, with they'll this dog? They'll need to see the vet the, the, the pet's vax card. They'll need that. So. That's okay. It's going to happen. We're never getting out. All right. And then finally, I need to decode the Swifty drama for you. Please. Are you a Swifty? No. Uh, my daughter will occasionally sing a couple of her songs. I don't know that they're Taylor Swift unless I go out and make an effort to say, oh, who sang that song? And it's either her or somebody else that I've never heard about before. Uh, Taylor Swift is after my time, so I don't. But, you know... Uh, I guess she's in the news. She's in the news. She's in the news for several reasons. Okay, so you're hearing about her a lot because there was an ownership dispute over her Ooh, the, music. Yes, that okay. I know. So the ownership dispute over the music, she re-recorded her songs so that she could own those masters because someone else, a corporation or yes. an investment firm, uh, became the owner of her old masters. So she redid them. Connected just, to George Soros. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. It goes deeper. The, uh, <laughs> the new album, uh, Taylor's version of Red just released it has a 10 minute version of a song called all too well on it now mm. i before i get into the details of all too well there's a whole drama here i like taylor swift i think she's a good songwriter i think i like that she actually pins these things i like that she plays the guitar and i know she has writing partners as well but i think she's she has it a she has a talent for capturing young love and breakup feels mm. that are I sometimes feel ashamed because they're so basic and yet I connect with them, but I think that they're universal and that's why I'm connecting with them. She has a, she has a knack for that because I used to listen to that uh, Taylor Swift song, um, the one about Tim McGraw. <laughs> okay. And it's about young love and falling in love in, in high school and the, you're listening to Tim McGraw while you're doing it. And I was like, oh, this is exactly my high school experience like and but i felt guilty for connecting with it so much so i continue to feel that way as as taylor has has grown <laughs> but and all too well yes and all yes. too well is about rumored to be about her relationship with jake gyllenhaal okay. yes now uh it was released in 2010 
and now we're re-releasing it. And when she re-released it, she created a short uh, film about this song, which is about a breakup, as most Taylor Swift songs are. And there's a 15-minute short film that's getting a lot of buzz because the, the people cast to play the leads look like Jake Gyllenhaal and a young Taylor Swift. Really? That's great. And she's also releasing a new album called I Bet You Still Think of Me, which is also rumored to maybe be about Jake Gyllenhaal. Her relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal, I just did some research, lasted from late 2010 to early 2011-ish. It was like several months. And I think we may have gone too far in plumbing this particular relationship for breakup art. Now, 11 years later, the Swifties are going to come for me. I'm sorry. The song is good. What happened, though? What, so what, what, what did Jake Gyllenhaal do that was other than say, hey, maybe I want to see other people? Is that's that basically it? it. Really, that was it? He kept her scarf. That's a big part of the drama. He kept her scarf fixed. You know, there are, there are worse things he could have kept. Just true. Yes. She left her scarf at his sister's house. Allegedly, who would be Maggie Gyllenhaal. <laughs> yes, yes, who Sonny Bunch said basically is a turtle. Yes, sorry. <laughs> I'm not to say she resembles a turtle. Yeah. She she's was, a very cute she, turtle. She was great in uh, uh, Dark Knight, but yeah, we're, sorry. <clears throat> <laughs> At any rate, she left her scarf there. He kept the scarf. That's in the lyrics to the song all too well. Oh, and I want my scarf. Back. He also, no, she also says he kept the scarf because he's still in love with her. That's, that's the implication. Oh. That is the implication. Now, that part is also a part of young love and breaking up where you convince yourself that this person has your scarf, not because they forgot they had your scarf and have never thought about it again, but because they're still pining for you. I do not agree with her take on that, but it is poetic in the song. And everybody's played it to her side and everyone's angry at Jake Gyllenhaal for... Well, there's another issue, Vic, which is now people are revisiting the age gap in this relationship. At the time of the relationship, she was 20 and he was 29. And people are saying that this oh. was... Now, the, the inter- Twitter's not the real world. Everybody right. remember that. That's where you get all your Rittenhouse information that's bad. So Twitter's not real life. But some folks have said that that nine-year age difference is inherently predatory or inappropriate. I disagree. I mean, she's Look, she's an adult at 20. She still writes songs that sound like teenage love, but she's an adult. I thought that the rule was uh, half your age plus seven. That was the rule. I think that's the, that it, yes. <laughs> it was that. Is that know. a statute? That, oh, sorry. <clears throat> no, that's what I told the judge. Sorry. <laughs> You're familiar with these I, I, with When these I'm figuring decisions? it out now, no. I mean, it's like, if, 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 that would be, you know, for me, dating somebody in, in their 30s would still be, would be, would be appropriate. You yeah. know, and they, nobody would think that's weird. But I see what they're saying. If, for example, obviously, if Jake Gyllenhaal was 25, it would be weird for him to date a 16-year-old. Yes. I get it. Yes. But 29, 20 is questionable. You can yeah, argue it either way. The, the, I know she's not old enough to drink, right? True. But. So. I, hope, yeah, I hope he never gave her any wine. That's right. That would be the real scandal. That and the scarf. At any rate, he, he seems not invested in, in having this out in public. But she's still producing art. And here's the thing. Get, get tons of art from your pain it clearly works and i enjoy her work i'm on like podcast what number seven about the pain from my labor so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep using that stretch that out so to speak to make beautiful art for the people right for the hammerheads much like the swifties 
But we're now 11 years into this breakup from a several month relationship. And I just think we could also model a little bit of moving on from that. I will say until I learn more, as we all should, about anything in the news, I'm on Jake's side. Or is it all cynical? And she's just like, heck yeah, give me that money. I'm going to keep producing on this on this one relationship. There you go. And by the way, she's gotten art out of all the relationships. Which I also do oh, not art. have art. art. Nope. I do not have an issue with that either. Get pain. Yeah. You need pain to write these you great pain. She forces well, the pain. You're saying that she's creating pain just to get the story, just to get the song. I mean, I think that she might be over this, and now it's just mm-hmm. living, living on mm-hmm. in the short film. Mm-hmm. Although it seems a little like, are we targeting Jake? Are we targeting Jake a little bit? He's fine. <laughs> and that. Wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter, at MK Hammer Time on Instagram, where you can see pictures of the baby during her screaming hour. Maybe I'll put one of those up. They're really, really cute. Uh, You can follow my road trip. Next week, definitely check in with us because we will have a Thanksgiving special because all we really want to talk about is food anyway, right? That's all I think about like every hour of the day. (laughs) Thank you for listening. This has been a Nebulous Podcast.